Well, good morning, church. Hope that you all are doing well today. Uh, just a, a quick announcement uh, uh, just before we dive in today. Uh, we have our semester at a glance handouts. This is something we do uh, the beginning of January, the, be- the beginning of August, just to let you know what um, just some of the most important things going on in our church over the next uh, couple of months. So this is just a, uh, a communication tool that I just want to encourage you to grab one of these. They're on the back table uh, back in the room there just as you leave today. Um, there, there are so many things going on in our church. We're a busy church. And, uh, and so this just helps us to prioritize uh, just from the leadership's vantage point. What are some of the most important things um, going on this semester that we'd love for you to make time um, for? Just a, a highlight, just two, two things that are on that. On the back of that, we do have our prayer worship night, uh, which happens on a monthly basis. This will be on uh, January 26th, uh, 5 o'clock in this room. And we're going to uh, be praying and, and looking at, uh, at some of the things that we're talking about in this sermon series. We just want to bring before the Lord uh, as a congregation and make the theme of that night related to uh, this month's sermon series. Just want to encourage you to, to make time for that. And then the second one has to do with our equipping class on Wednesday night uh, this semester. Uh, we're teaming up uh, again and uh, pretty much the final time with College Park Castleton um, and, and looking at kind of these different topics that, uh, that, that are all over the Bible. We're going to basically trace topics that show up uh, throughout the scriptures and, um, and just be able to develop kind of a biblical theology on, on some topics like covenant and rest and, and kind of God's activity with his people. Uh, so it should be a, a really uh, fun and, and equipping time together that I just encourage you to make time for. So with that, let's pray, and then we'll dive into Psalm uh, 127 together. God, we thank you for uh, this morning, and God, just a a chance to uh, truly find rest as your people. Uh, Lord, as we gather, we gather uh, under the name of Jesus Christ and, and what he has accomplished. And Lord, we believe that Jesus has done all of the work for us in order to uh, give us salvation and approval and acceptance and and love from you. Um, So God, even as we gather here, there's something about gathering in the name of Jesus that that brings rest and solace to our souls because the the acceptance that we experience is not uh, because of what we've done. It's all because of Jesus. And so Lord, as, as we look at this topic today, Lord, would you give us a sense of openness? Lord, would you do the uncomfortable work of um, looking into the deep places of our hearts and just bringing conviction, uh, even bringing encouragement where we need it most. God, would you remind us this morning how, um, Lord, life is a vapor, or it, it's, it's here today and gone uh, tomorrow, and would that impact how we live right now in the moment, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If your soul had a mascot, what do you think it would be? What mascot, or maybe let's go the Disney, let's go the Disney route today. What, what Disney character would most accurately describe the state or the condition of your soul? It's an interesting question when you think about it. If you have the courage or the boldness, if you have children, ask uh, your, your children that question. If you're, uh, if you're up for it, I did not have the courage to ask my, uh, my daughters that. But it's just an interesting question to kind of stop and think about. Well, what kind of language can I put on the state of my, of my soul? Perhaps from last week's sermon, I wonder if, if a lot of us can relate to this strange character in the movie Alice in Wonderland. 
Alice in Wonderland is admittedly a very bizarre movie. Uh, It's a little trippy, uh, to be honest with you. Um, But there's a character in that movie that kind of fits with the theme of this sermon series. It's the White Rabbit. White Rabbit is kind of a fascinating character. He's frantically hopping from one place to the next, very busy and yet very, very late. We see him all throughout the movie basically saying the same things. He's saying, oh dear, oh dear, I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, right? And yet uh, for most of us, even for those of you who are diehard Disney fans, you probably don't quite remember what he was late to. Um, maybe you do, probably Chloe does. But, uh, but what, we, what we remember most about this character, though, is that he was in a rush. He was hurried. He was busy. And, and he was probably, we get the sense that he was busy going to something that was really, really important. And I just wonder if, if that character uh, best describes the state of our soul, that we're so busy and, and we're late that we we may not even have the time to say hello to God on a daily basis. It's an interesting question. And really, when you think about a mascot, um, there's always someone that's underneath the mascot, just to state the obvious. It doesn't matter if you're at a Butler Bulldogs basketball game and you see the the Bulldog mascot there, or or if you're at Disney World and you do see Minnie Mouse or a Mickey Mouse, like, like there's always someone that's underneath that's driving the behavior. And this morning, uh, what I want us to, uh, to focus on today is, is that it's the same is true when it comes to busyness. That if busyness were the mascot to your life, like there's, there's always something underneath the busyness that's driving your behavior. And, and so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of peer into the space of our hearts and, and uh, to be able to identify what the possible driving forces to our busyness could be, just to be able to identify them and apply the gospel to them. Last week, I pointed out that busyness does not automatically make you a failure, nor, on the other hand, does busyness automatically make you faithful. That busyness just means that you're busy, just like every one of us, and including Jesus Christ himself. Last week, we looked at Mark chapter 1 to kind of frame the series to basically look at what was the pace and the rhythm of Jesus Christ when he lived on the earth. And I think what we noticed was that he lived a a very full, demanding, somewhat of a busy life. And yet Jesus understood the difference between the important from the urgent. Jesus was able to, to prioritize time alone with God in the midst of all kinds of demands. Jesus developed this healthy rhythm because he understood the dangers of busyness. And so last week we looked at, I think, three common uh, dangers or traps to busyness. That busyness can crowd out our obedience to God. That busyness can, can keep us from uh, tending to our own souls. And that busyness oftentimes leads us into living lives of isolation. And so last week we concluded that busyness is indeed one of the greatest and yet sneakiest dangers to our own souls that hardly gets any attention at all. It's kind of ironic, and yet it's, it's, it's kind of true to the nature of busyness. Busyness will blind us and will numb us from actually seeing it as an issue that we need to address 
or change at all. We're, we're too active, we're too busy moving from one thing to the next that we can't stop and slow down and address the issue that's underneath the surface. A busyness will keep us from developing this rhythm of rest, being still, and, and even having a, a worshipful reflection to see what's going on in our souls. So that was last week, just kind of laying a foundation for, uh, for this month's sermon series. Today, I want to kind of build off of that foundation. And what I want us to look at is how busyness really isn't our primary problem. I know it feels like that because of the sermon series, but our primary problem is actually what's driving the busyness within our hearts. It's Dallas Willard who pointed out that there is a huge difference between being busy and being hurried. He says this, he says that being busy is an outward condition, a condition of the body. It occurs when we have many things to do. Busyness is inevitable in modern culture. If you're alive today in North America, you are a busy person. Being hurried, though, is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. It means to be so preoccupied with myself and my life that I'm unable to be fully present with God, with myself, and with other people. That I'm unable to occupy the present moments. That busyness migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. That I cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. I cannot rest in God with a hurried soul. See, the answer to busyness is not just learning to manage our schedules better, but the answer to our busyness problem is learning how to manage our hearts better. It's learning how, how not to live with a hurried soul before the Lord. So I truly believe that God, God wants to set us free from the bondage of this busy trap. But he's not going to do it by just rearranging our calendars and our to-do lists. What he's going to do is he's going to liberate us and free us from the lies and the sinful desires that are wedged deep inside of our hearts that control how we live. See, this question of how do I know if my soul is hurried, as Dallas Willard pointed out, is answered when you identify what's underneath and driving your busyness. And I think Psalm 127 is going to help us do that this morning. In fact, Psalm 127, you can almost view it as kind of a, a case study in looking at how to identify uh, motivations and, and kind of driving forces in our hearts that, that dictate our behavior. Psalm 127, at least in these first couple of verses, is describing someone that we can all relate to very well. This is someone who seemingly cannot slow down and experience true rest. That Psalm 127 is describing someone who thinks that success is simply a question of effort. This is someone who believes that problems can be solved by just working a little bit longer and, and a little bit harder. This is someone who maybe because of the chronic busyness and activity and hard work has begun to crowd out the presence and the blessing of God from their life. And yet, interesting enough, I think Psalm 127 is also someone who 
despite the hard work and the busyness and, and even maybe some of the success of building the house and watching over the city, is still restless. It's not really experiencing the fact that God gives to his beloved sleep. All of the activity without God, pushing God out of the center of their lives, can lead one to living a very dissatisfied life, looking for more. And there's a warning in here in these first two verses that we need to heed today as it relates to hard work and as it relates to the pace and the rhythm of our lives. Let me break this down, just these first two verses, and point out a couple of things that I see. The first thing, just want you to notice that there are three different references to God doing something in these first two verses. Verse 1a, it is God who builds the house. Verse 1b, it is God who watches over the city. And verse 2, it is God who gives to his beloved sleep. Okay, so this psalm is a God-saturated view of life. This is the way that we are to kind of process living. And this is really the perspective that I think helps to combat the unhealthy busyness that you and I are confronted with on a daily occurrence. It is the Lord who builds, who creates. It is the Lord who watches over, who protects, who preserves, and who maintains. It's the Lord who gives true rest. And yet at the same time, I find this interesting that verses 1 and 2 describe us also as doing something. Verse 1b, those who build it is referring to us, we're building something. Verse 1b there, it says the watchman who stays awake, the watchman is us. And so to put these kind of actions in in ways that we can understand it today, the, the building of a house for us in 2020 would relate to to doing something that that would lead to security or to satisfaction, to to even safety or accomplishment. The the watching over a city would refer to preservation or or safety or or kind of a, a careful maintenance of something. And I'm sure all kinds of things kind of come into your mind of what that would mean for you, whether it's a, a job or relationships or a family or finances, or maybe it is your, your home. That Solomon here, I think, is, is kind of explaining this tension that we live in of, of, of what God's role is and what our role is. And what I do find so interesting about Psalm 127 is the fact that Solomon is the author of this psalm. And I think that's interesting because of what we know about Solomon in other of his writings. We know that he wrote many of the wise sayings throughout Proverbs, and he had a lot to say about hard work and about busy living and about the lazy sluggard. That Solomon uh, described the sluggard as someone who avoids work as much as possible. He's someone who delays starting a task someone who rarely finishes the things that he starts, always kind of coming up with excuses for his inactivity. And yet Solomon's advice is simple. Basically says throughout Proverbs to the sluggard, get to work, work hard. Work is actually a good thing. It's a gift from the Lord. So we've got that on this side of things from Solomon, but we also know that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you've read the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll know that one of Solomon's favorite words is the word vain. In fact, he he talks about vain uh, 40 different times throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, oftentimes referring to work, oftentimes referring to a type of busy lifestyle outside of God. 
And that word vain actually shows up three different times in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. This is a word that uh, literally means vapor or breath. It's often used to describe things that, that are fleeting or elusive, often describes a, a kind of life that's searching for meaning or purpose outside of God. Okay, so kind of putting all of this together, I think even though Solomon's advice in the Proverbs is for us to, to work hard and to, and to view work as a gift from the Lord, we look at Ecclesiastes and this psalm, and, and the warning is, is that there is a type of hard, busy work that can be done in vain if we're not careful. There's a type of, of busy living, busy work that can be meaningless, that can be devoid of purpose if we're not careful. See, I don't think Psalm 127, I don't think Solomon's trying to solve this tension of, of how much does God do, how much do we do, but I think this, this psalm here is given to us as kind of a warning to, to understand that there is a difference between healthy busyness and unhealthy busyness and the difference lies in understanding what's motivating your busyness. See, for Solomon here, he's saying in these two verses that, that you will build in vain. You will watch in vain. You, you can live your life in a type of busy vainness if God has been separated out from your living. If God is not the one that's building, if God is not the one that's watching, if God is not the driving force behind your work and behind your busyness, all of this is in vain. All of this is meaningless and without purpose. So there's a warning here that, that's kind of in, in the details here of what Solomon is trying to describe. He's not saying that hard work is bad. He's not saying that it's sinful but what he's trying to alert us to is what's driving it. See, Solomon is not saying here that, that there are some things that God builds and other things that God doesn't build. He's not saying that there are some things that God watches over and other things that God doesn't watch over. No, we, our understanding of God is that he is the builder of all things. He's the creator of all things. Colossians 1.16 It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth. We know that God is, is the one who watches over all. God is the sustainer. God is the one who preserves everything. Psalm 54, 4 says, Behold, God is my helper, the, the one who sustains. So God is, is actively involved in all of the building, in all of the watching. Nothing happens outside of his sovereign plan. And so we don't read this psalm as if to think that some non-Christians can sneak in some building here or some watching here when God's not paying attention. Nor do I think this is saying that only the committed Christians does God kind of watch over their city. No, but I think Solomon is saying here is there is a type of work and a type of toil, a type of living that can be anxious, that can be restless, and that can be in vain and then there's a different, and then there's a type of living and working that's actually healthy and that's centered upon the purposes and priorities of God. Now, and yet it has less to do, I think, with how many hours you're working or how many hours you're putting around the house. And it has more to do with answering the question, 
why are you so busy? See, this psalm is not a call to sleep more and work less. This is not a call to to say that, that we do nothing and God does everything. Rather, I think this is a call to identify the driving force behind our busy, hardworking lives. I think it's for us to understand that, yes, God cares about your pace, cares about your rhythm. He, he cares about your busyness. But what God cares most about is what is underneath your busyness, motivating and driving it all. Look, verse 2 is absolutely key here. Again, in this kind of this case study, Solomon says that all of this rising up early and, and, and going late to rest, all of that is in vain. It's worthless and it's meaningless if what's underneath it and motivating it is this anxious toil that, that this bread that this individual is consuming deep within their hearts is this anxious toil that's driving the type of busyness that's leading this individual to not have the rest that God wants to give. And that phrase, anxious toil, is really interesting in the Hebrew. It, it means this heavy burden activity that feels endless, Right? You could probably put parenting in there uh, instead of anxious toil. That's kind of what parenting kind of feels like at times. In other words, the, this anxious toil means that, that there's a type of work that kind of goes on and on and on when you remove God out of your work, when God is not the driving force behind your busyness. That this anxious toil exists for the person who forgets about God, who doesn't view God as the one who's building and watching, that everything's up to me, that I'm the one who kind of makes things happen here. So the anxious toil is what is underneath this type of, of busy living. And so the, the question that I want to I ask you this morning is, what kind of bread are you consuming in your hearts? Like, what is, what is driving your busyness? What's underneath it all? Like, if, if for this person was anxious toil, what is it for you that, that's causing you to, to live at the pace that you're living at? What's leading you to maybe overcommit, to, to pack out the schedule and the calendar, and to not say no to things? See, that's what I want us to look at, and I want to provide some common breads, if you will, that, that I know exists in my own life uh, that maybe you can relate to here this morning to get at the driving force behind our busyness. Here's, here's a common one that I think drives some of our busyness is that we have some trust issues with God. We've got some trust issues with God. I think What's interesting when you take a step back and you look at really the, the narrative of the scriptures as it relates to how God interacts with his people, what you will find is that on a regular basis, God's people struggle to trust in God, not so much as it relates to salvation and eternity, but there is a, a lack of trust with God as it relates to everyday common issues and struggles. Happens all over the place. It's almost like we say, yeah, eternity, uh, hell, heaven, those are some big things. That, God, I really need you to handle that. But, but the everyday kind of adversity and, and questions and, and stress and burdens of life, we, we kind of think that we can handle it and we're not so sure that God understands. 
Let me give you an example of, of where kind of we see this um, in God's people. Isaiah chapter 28 is a really interesting example of this, where at this time period, Israel uh, was, uh, was about to go to war with Assyria. Assyria is this superpower in the world, and, and God's people are wondering, uh, can we trust in God to handle our enemy? Can we, can we trust in God to handle this struggle or should we look to Egypt in order to bail us out? This is a, a trust issue for Israel. And notice what God says in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. He says, the one who trusts will never be dismayed. If you have the ESV translation, it says the one who trusts will never be in haste will never be hurried, will never be, this word could be translated as busy. And this word is, this word for dismayed is chosen very specifically because it is describing a nation here, but it can describe a person who fails to trust in God will inevitably live this hurried, busy type of living, looking for solutions all over the place outside of God. Isn't that true in your own life? Like when you're faced with a decision to make, when you're faced with a problem to, to kind of handle, if you don't trust in God and lean upon God and his promises, what that will lead you to is living a type of hurried, busy life, rushing around looking for all kinds of other options as solutions outside of God. And it happened for his people here in Isaiah 28. Look, this is why he says in just a couple of verses before uh, verse 16, God actually says, this is the resting place, talking about him, trusting in him, let the weary rest. And this is the place of repose, but they, God's people would not listen. Look, this is what so many of us feel because one of the most common reasons we are busy is because of the trust issues we have with God. Like again, it's not necessarily because we don't trust him for salvation or for eternity, but we're wondering, can we truly trust in God with our everyday struggles? Because here's, here's the real question that you and I have to answer as it relates to this topic. Do you and I truly believe and trust in God that he will fill in the gaps when you slow down, when you say no, and when you stop working, do you truly trust that God will come through? Not that God will handle your sin and, and handle the issue of hell, but do you believe that God will come through for you when you establish a healthy pace and learn to say no to opportunities and commitments that will thin out your soul? Look, if we were really honest this morning, Maybe the real reason we don't slow down and say no is because deep down we want to be indispensable. Like deep down, as it relates to maybe uh, our boss or our coworkers or, or maybe our, our family or friendships, like we, we want to be needed. Like we want to be indispensable. And that oftentimes drives us to not rest in God, not trust in God, but to continue to move on from one thing to the next. See, the mindset that says that I'm busy because other people need me, that's a fear of man issue, which we'll get to in a moment. But the mindset that says I'm busy because God needs me, that's a trust issue. That's a, a faith issue. See, do we really believe that it's, it's God 
who builds the house. That when we slow down and say no, that, that God continues to sustain and maintain by his grace. See, sometimes I think we, we might even fall into idolizing excellence, maybe idolizing success and accomplishments, sometimes at the expense of our own souls. And yes, God wants us to be faithful and responsible and disciplined and, and to put in hard work, but never at the expense of our own spiritual condition. And let me just give you one example of how this might look in our own lives. Take parenting, for example. Like parenting is one of those things where you could be the best parent in the world. You could be the most godly parent in the world. You could follow everything that the Bible says. But at the end of the day, it is God and God alone who changes the hearts of our children. Amen? It's all up to Him. And so we can put in 24-7, because that's what parenting is, all kinds of work and, and strategies and, and do it by the book. But in the end, good, healthy parenting comes down to a trust issue with God. So this is why Paul Tripp talks about how our roles as parents, we're not owners of our children, we don't, we don't own them, but we're these imperfect ambassadors. We're, we're stewards of these gifts that God has given us just for this lifetime. And that type of mindset can actually protect us from a type of anxious, busy, frantic parenting. Because what's underneath the anxious, busy parenting? It's a trust issue. Like, like we're wondering, does God care more about my child than I do? Like, like really wrestling with that, like, like when, when the rubber meets the road and you understand what's driving your anxious parenting, do you truly believe that God cares more about your child than you do? Do we believe that God is going to change your child's heart? You're not going to be able to touch that. You'd be responsible, you'd be faithful, but do you trust in God in parenting. And you can apply that in all kinds of different areas of our lives. See, the real struggle with busyness, I think when you get down to it, it, it might be just a trust issue with the Lord, believing in who he says is actually true. God's infinite. We're finite. We have limitations. And so, okay, I know that to be true. So how does that impact how I live? Well, because that's true, I can't be everywhere at once. I'm not omnipresent, only God is. Like, because I trust in God, I believe that I can't solve every issue. Like, I, I don't know all things. I'm, I'm not omniscient, only God is. I can't fix everything. I'm not omnipotent, only God is. Look, I can ask you to your face, do you believe that? Do you trust that? You can tell me yes or no, but all I really have to do is look at your pace look at your calendar, and look even at your anxiety in your life. And so this question here of are you eating the bread of anxious toil because of trust issues? Is that what's driving it in your life? Let me give you another suggestion here. Another common bread that we consume that can drive our busyness is fear. It's fear. A lot of times, and we know this to be true, fear will will paralyze us. You probably have felt that before. But then there are other times in which fear actually busies us. Like fear can actually become this powerful motivator when it's connected to our calendars and when it's connected to our busyness. 
And it's really interesting when you kind of dial into this, there are multiple layers uh, to fear and to our busyness. Let me give you one of them. There, there, there oftentimes is a fear of man that drives our busyness. Having a fear of man is, is really being afraid of what other people think of you. It's, it's being afraid of, of letting other people down, being afraid of, of, of the dis, disapproval of other people. And the reason for that is because we want to look good. We, we want to appear to be successful and to be accomplished and to, and to win other people's affirmation. So because we want that, because we're consumed with our own image and being accepted and being liked, that's going to drive us into living a very busy life to make sure we attain that or to at least have the perception that we are that in front of other people. And it's interesting because when you find yourself kind of uh, you know, doing more things than what you should in order to gain someone else's expectations or approval, what that might reveal in your heart is that you care more about that person's approval than God's. Like sometimes we, we fear letting down a boss or a spouse or a child or a friend or, or a mother-in-law. And sometimes we fear letting those people down more than we are afraid of letting God down. And that is idolatry. That is, that is sinful. And what might be underneath that is we're wondering is what I have in God, is it truly enough? Right? That's, that might be underneath the fear of man thing because if I'm doubting if what God provides for me is enough, then I'm going to look to other people's approval in order to kind of fill in the gaps. And that's going to lead you to this frantic busyness of always looking to other people to kind of validate your existence and to fill up your heart with satisfaction. It's interesting, Solomon, who wrote Psalm 127, also wrote Proverbs 29, 25, who says that fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Like I said, that fear operates in different ways, has multiple layers to this, that there's the fear of man thing. There's all kinds of different things that we fear that can drive our busyness. But another thing I'll point out that I touched on last week is, is kind of having this fear of what's really going on deep inside of our hearts. Like this sometimes can drive our busyness because we're afraid of slowing down and actually confronting the stuff and the messiness that's deep within our hearts. And for some of us, we have unaddressed pain, maybe some lingering sin, Maybe some profound questions that if we just keep on moving, if we just fill our calendars, then I won't have the margin to slow down and actually face what I fear the most. Even the question that, that causes fear for a lot of us, the, the question of, am I really enough? Am I enough for my spouse? Am I enough for my children? Am I enough for my friendships? Am, am I enough for God? That question can sometimes haunt us. And we might be afraid of being found out, being less than or, or not being good enough. So our pace and, and the way that we live our lives is so fast because we don't want to slow down and hear that haunting question. So are you eating the bread of anxious toil because of fear. It's a common one. Number three, another, I think, 
common driving force of busyness is having a, a misplaced identity. We, again, yeah, touched on this last week a little bit, but the overly busy person is someone who doesn't really have the time or the space to ask and answer questions related to your identity. You know, the question of, of who am I is a question that if you're too busy, you never have the time to stop and truly answer. And so we have kind of this default response, maybe even subconsciously, of who I am is directly connected to what I do, what I produce, and what I achieve. And and look, to be honest with you, this resonates with me a lot because busyness offers a really compelling option for my identity, for my satisfaction, and for meaning in life, doesn't it? I know for me, like, I feel good when I'm busy. I feel important. I feel, I feel needed. I feel like if I'm busy, I'm getting things done. I'm accomplishing things, which, which kind of satisfies me in the moment. And so if we're not careful, we turn this gift of hard work into an idol when we intimately connect our identity by what we do and what we accomplish. And of course, what's underneath that is, is what we know to be true about who we are, that we can fall into that lie of thinking that we're, we're not a human being, but we are a human doing, that we are loved by God, not because of who we are created in his image or because of what Jesus has done for us, but we are loved and accepted by God because of what we do for God. And so we don't want to slow down. We don't want to say no because our identity, it's rooted in activity and accomplishment. Look, this is, this is what tends to, uh, to be kind of a challenge for people who are unemployed or people who move into retirement, people who move into empty nesthood. It can be kind of a devastating season of life for so many because their identity is wrapped up in their work or it's wrapped up in raising children. And so when the job leaves or, or when the kids leave the nest, there goes their identity with them. And it's a huge challenge to be able to kind of root your identity and your worth in the gospel, in what Jesus has said about you, not in something that's temporal, not in something that is finite. And yet when we put our identity and our worth in those things, we're always going to be chasing after the next thing. And so are you eating the bread of anxious toil because of a misplaced identity that can drive our busyness. The last thing here I'll point out, another common reason we're so busy is because of a deep restlessness, a deep restlessness. Uh, James uh, K.A. Smith talks a lot about uh, restlessness and, and our relationships with the Lord. And he says this about it. He says, where we rest is a matter of what and how we love that our restlessness is a reflection of what we try to enjoy as an end in itself, what we look to as a place to land. The heart's hunger is infinite, which is why it will ultimately be disappointed with anything that is merely finite. This is, this is why a lot of us can, can become so busy, so driven. We can even accomplish the things that we want to accomplish and the things that we were running after when we finally get it, we're still not fully satisfied. We're, we're still kind of restless, looking on to the other thing. 
This is why so many are overly busy because they're, they're trying to fill that eternal void in their hearts with something of this world, something that's finite and temporal. That car or that house that you wanted, that job or that promotion that you wanted, that relationship or that family that you wanted, that, that body image that you've worked so hard to get, the success and the respect and, and the approval, all of these things, once you finally get them, there's something in your heart that will eventually say, yeah, but there's something more. Yeah, that's good, but, but there's gotta be something else that will satisfy me, that will bring my soul true rest because this truly isn't uh, coming through for me. See, there are many people who, who can't rest because they're running after something they can't catch. They're running from one thing to the next, and it's leaving them restless. The great theologian and postmodern prophet Bono laments this reality in famous song, I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? I'm not going to sing it for you today, but he says, he goes, I've climbed the highest mountains. I've run through the fields. I've run, I've crawled, I've scaled these city walls, these city walls, only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. See, he's, he's putting language to how, how, how often we can structure our lives towards running after something that, that our souls look at and get a taste of and say, yeah, that's good, but I wasn't created for that. And then we move on to something else and to something else until we can find that one thing that you and I were made and were created to enjoy forever and ever, and that is Jesus. See, if, if, we, could, if we could just slow down for a moment, if we could just let our souls breathe <clears throat> just for a moment, I think what we would find is that even in the midst of this chronic busyness, what we would discover is that there has been one who all along has been running and chasing and trying to get after us, who offers us a different way. That there is one who loves us unconditionally, not because of what we do or what we produce or what we achieve, but it's because it's his character and it's his nature to love, which is unchanging and unmoving. If we could just pause and rest and be still, we could hear the, the voice of Jesus who is whispering to our souls in the midst of the noise of the culture around us, in the midst of the noise of the idols that are in our hearts. He whispers to us a different way. And he says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are busy, all who are weighed down by life, and I will give you rest. And it is a countercultural rest. It is a type of rest that you can't experience just by going on vacation or by taking a power nap. It's a type of rest that gets to the deep place of your heart where your, your heart finally exhales and says, yes, this is what I've been looking for. The problem is, is that you have to slow down enough in order to hear the voice of Jesus who's constantly inviting you into a better way of living. And that is what we're gonna look at <clears throat> over the next couple of weeks. You know, St. Augustine, I'll close with this. 
who hit it on the head in the fourth century, church father who says, oh Lord, you have created us for yourself, but our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. See, God can set us free from the trap and the bondage of busyness. Again, not by rearranging our schedules, but by rearranging our hearts. That God is not this fanatic CEO who's demanding us anxious and tired, busy lives. God is a lover. He's a lover of your soul who wants to give you rest. It's exactly what Solomon says. It says, for he gives to his beloved. He gives to those he loves sleep, true rest. So just applying this verse to your heart today, I wonder where you find yourself. I wonder if you need to apply it in this way, for he gives his beloved rest to the chronically busy workaholic, for he gives to his beloved peace to the anxious and fearful, for he gives his beloved assurance to the habitual doubter, for he gives his beloved satisfaction to the ever-hungry soul, for he gives to his beloved unconditional love to the one who is constantly searching for more. Praise be to God that he is the answer to this issue of busyness. Can't wait to look at next week. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us in Jesus. God, we thank you that you do offer us a different way than than what the world would try to convince us of. And God, we desperately need your help and your wisdom as we try to navigate, Lord, a a life that has so many demands and so many options, so many opportunities. God, there's a very real desire in our hearts where we we just want to be faithful. We want to live our lives that you have purchased, and we want to live in a way that would impact eternity. So God, would you guide us? Would you uproot some of the idolatries that might drive our busyness? And Lord, just free us up so that we might experience true rest in Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.